Hello. I'm Jen Wilson, your host of the Future and Sound podcast. I wanted to start by thanking you for tuning into the podcast. We've wrapped up our first series and are working hard on series two. A lot of ground has been covered so far on the future and sound, and I wanted to share a brief recap of the highlights. Be sure to stick around until the end of this recap to learn more about what series two has in store. You'll remember that this podcast is about prioritizing people, planet, and profit in business. We look at how to think more clearly about ESG strategy and how to take practical actions in our day-to-day lives. Guests in series one helped me clarify my thinking on three main topics, business purpose, tools for strategic decision-making, and system-level trends. Let's start with purpose. There's been a lot of talk about corporate purpose over the past couple of years. It's undeniable that a North Star is important for groups of people, also known as businesses, to remain united. Professor Colin Mayer of Oxford helped to clarify the formula for a legitimate corporate purpose. Basically, any purpose that's a profitable solution to the problems of people on the planet, according to that notion of profit, is legitimate and desirable. The harder part of this equation is to avoid creating problems for people and planet. All businesses have positive and negative impacts. We just do. Solutions to problems are important, like investing in renewable energy capacity to keep our operations going. At the same time, it's very clear to me after speaking with Colin that we really need to be honest with ourselves about the potential problems or harm related to our actions in business. I definitely do not enjoy doing this. I don't think anybody does. But it's not about feeling guilt. It's about managing both sides of the impact equation, positive and negative. Charmian Love helped clarify how a purpose beyond profit could be integrated into the core of a business through the Articles of Incorporation. For every business that does go through the certification process and becomes a certified B Corporation, what you have to do is you have to amend these articles to make it absolutely explicit and super clear that the role of the director is to equally consider shareholders and stakeholders in the decisions that are made. Let's move on to the second theme, decision-making. Once purpose is clarified and integrated into the core of a business, the question becomes, how can we actually bring broader purpose to life in our strategic decision-making? Jillian Tett from the Financial Times helped highlight the most critical tools from her book, Anthrovision. Doing anthropology showed me that actually our preconceptions and prejudices that we inherit from our own world can be wrong. And the most effective research is when we actually learn to listen and learn and open our eyes to the possibility there may be other ways of looking at the world. This mindset is especially important when it comes to trade-offs. Debates about climate change or diversity garner different points of view in the news and public discourse. But what's less obvious is the tensions present for the individual decision maker. 
Dr. Sarah Kaplan, author of The 360-Degree Corporation, helped us to understand the challenge for individual business decision makers. We don't necessarily give people tools to emotionally manage the experience of being in trade-offs, of feeling those tensions, of not knowing the answer, of being willing to entertain different points of view. It's not enough to just say, here's a good process. It's not easy to be facing those tensions or to be facing what people consider to be intractable trade-offs. They want to have an answer. What Sarah says about the importance of entertaining different points of view, especially those you disagree with, is a deeply powerful idea. I picture this concept as putting on different pairs of glasses in my job. Take, for example, a trade-off like investing in carbon reductions today that will reduce short-term profitability. If I put on my activist glasses, what do my trade-offs look like? If I put on my shareholder glasses, how do the trade-offs look different? The process of actually experiencing different points of view helps to see things more clearly. Another clarifying approach when grappling with ESG questions is to extend the time horizon of your decision-making, as Sadia Madsberg, author of Making Money Moral, suggests. There's all this noise, but you need to keep your focus on the long term. You need to manage towards not what happens in the day-to-day, but the long-term thing. So if you really understand that, you know, there are factors out there that are social, environmental, that are material to your business, and you need to be addressing them, then you have to stay focused on the long-term and not get caught up in the day-to-day, even though there are distractions and they're probably only going to increase. While business leaders are making trade-offs and extending their time horizons, investors are trying to make sense of the ESG actions that improve results in the long term. Jason Mitchell, co-head of Responsible Investing at Man Group, helped to articulate this. One thing that we're always trying to find, and this I would call almost the holy grail of ESG, is you know, this idea of, of isolating or identifying a standalone ESG factor. Figuring out which ESG actions or outcomes drive financial performance isn't straightforward, according to Harvard Business School Associate Professor Anywhere Sokochi. We find that the more disclosure you provide, the greater the disagreement that exists within these uh, ESG ratings. While we may not have all of the answers to the question, what does good look like in ESG? One thing is for sure. The importance of ESG is pressing because of system-level shifts in our marketplaces. Last but not least, system-level trends. Amory Lovins, the chief scientist and co-founder of Rocky Mountain Institute, helped us see that competitive forces are underpinning the low-carbon transition. I've been saying for about 20 years that oil was becoming uncompetitive even at low prices before it became unavailable even at high prices. And uh, now one can see this very clearly. Amory helped us to see that although clean tech is a small part of the energy market, the more important thing to notice is that it's quickly growing compared to oil and gas. That's why clean tech is drawing investors. And this is also why market shifts move more quickly than the majority of people expect them to. In addition to the economics of the low carbon transition, MIT climate scientist Noel Celine shared with us 
that we need to think about how systems help reinforce the low carbon transition. The cutting edge is really thinking about what the systemic impacts are going to be. So what happens when everyone is experiencing some sort of extreme event at a higher frequency when multiple places, for example, in the United States at the same time are experiencing extreme weather? And what happens to the socioeconomic system and feedbacks when that happens? Noelle's point was hit home for me a couple of weeks ago when I was speaking with an energy executive who said that their low-carbon products were increasingly competitive because her customers are also trying to achieve net zero. This is a reflection of a systems shift. In Series 2, we're going to explore the most crucial question facing business in the next year. What actions do we need to take to avoid greenwashing? You likely heard the headlines from youth protests during COP26 accusing world leaders of greenwashing, but this question goes much deeper than protest placards. As leaders, how do we gain credibility with our employees that we're taking sustainability and ESG seriously? What about investors, our boards, our communities? So join us for Series 2 of the Future and Sound podcast, where we unpack the difference between authentic ESG strategy and the type of activity that leads to greenwashing. The new series will be dropping into your feed in 2022. Don't miss it. If you haven't already, why not subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening now? If you're new here, why not go back and re-listen to the first series? Thanks for all of your support so far. We'll see you very soon.